So I literally became a hypocrite <laughs> as Christian brothers uh, because I did hire family. Uh, I would teach my clients not to, and then I turned around and I ended up hiring family. And I started with my son, my oldest son. Uh, I needed some help. That was Scott Horstman, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, welcome back to Guild Stories. I've got a client and friend and, and frankly, um, someone I look up to and have learned a lot from in terms of his leadership style and approach. Uh, so without further ado, Scott Horstman, owner of Christian Brothers Roofing. Is that the actual title? What do you go by? Founder, CEO, owner? Scott. Big boss? <laughs> Just call me Scott. <laughs> Scott. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks. It's, uh, it's good to have you. And I know as we even kind of started the, the prep of the conversation, it's been in a few minutes together, um, lots of trails I could meander down with you. And so um, to focus my own attention, maybe let's start with the, where'd you grow up? What's your, what's your story? What was your background? All right. If we're going to start there, that's, <laughs> that's going to be half of the episode right there, good, Justin. Good. So I was uh, born and raised in Kansas City, uh, but I didn't live in Kansas City most of my life. So my, uh, my dad was a, uh, an ex-military uh, vet. He had, uh, he had been in World War II as an ambulance driver. And mm. when he got out of... What branch? Army? Uh, he was an Army. Army yeah, guy. Okay. Army. Okay. And when he got out, he started work for Trans World Airlines. And mm. back in the day, once you start for a company, you just work for them forever. Yeah. So he started and retired with TWA. And mm. early in the start, he bought a little house off of uh, 72nd and I-29 area. Uh, at the mm. time he bought that house, he was like the second in the neighborhood. And everything else was just field and openness over there, which was really great for me and my brother as we grew up. Because yeah. we could just go explore and Things that we would never let our kids do today. Sure. You know, they, they leave for four hours and come back and, in time for lunch. And who knows what they're doing? I mean, what we who were cares? doing is we were, <laughs> we were run, running through the streams. We were climbing up rock faces. I mean, we called them rock faces. They were probably only about four or five foot high, but they were really tall for us because we right. were little kids. That's right. So we, uh, we had a great time in the, in the neighborhood. And then Transport Airlines, uh, TWA, decided that they wanted to move their headquarters. And they moved their headquarters to New York. So when was that? This roughly? was well. I was in um, fourth grade. Okay. Yeah. For, okay. For my fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, so I was nine years old, and I'm 63 today. Mm. So we do the back math. <laughs> yeah. Fifty some years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, T for those that don't didn't either didn't grow up in KC or aren't old enough to remember, TWA was a big deal here. I was oh, a yeah. massive employer, kind of in the heritage of like a you know Sprint, a t, a farmland, and a Cerner network, et cetera. Like TWA was a big thing. Absolutely. So uh, it seemed like the interesting thing was so many people either knew my father or thought they knew my father because there was a pilot with the same name as my father, Charles Horstman. And uh, mm. often uh, they would think they knew him, did or did not. Uh, after he retired with TWA, he, uh, he became the head tour guide huh. at the Airline History Museum uh, where all of the aircraft are down at the old airport. So he got to know a lot of people there as well. And uh, just really enjoyed that. But back to uh, your original question is my upbringing. So we moved to New York and uh, lived in New York in what I called upstate New York. It's okay. actually about an hour and a half out of the city. It was not upstate. It wasn't anywhere near <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo or, or Albany anything or, like yeah. that. So we were about an hour and a half out of uh, New York City, a place called uh, 
Rockland County. Uh, we lived on 9 Eldor Avenue. Don't know why I remember huh. that, but uh, huh. I remember riding my mini bike around the around the neighborhood, but fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So we were there in New York, and then TWA changed again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they moved from Rockland County to John F. Kennedy Airport. Mm. Well, at that point, apparently things weren't going great with mom and dad, so dad stayed in New York. Mom came back with me and my brother, mm. and uh, we came back to Gladstone, uh, on Highland Avenue in Gladstone. Oh, yeah. and now I was uh, getting close to middle school, and mm. he was uh, in the upper ends of middle school. So we, uh, we had quite a few years uh, there in Gladstone. Uh, Mom from Casey? Is that what brought you Mom was from St. Joe. Okay. okay. So uh, all of her family was in St. Yeah. Joe, but all of her friends were here in Casey. Yeah. You've only been gone for a few years. And she's a pretty social person. So. Yep. Um, so we, uh, we come back, and uh, after a couple of years, my mom and dad decided that they needed a divorce. It wasn't working well with commuting back and forth even though he flew free it was to come back on weekends <laughs> sure sure so um my um, my brother and i grew up pretty mm. pretty quickly because mm. of that i think uh we were you know living with mom and mom was supporting you know two boys and that's a difficult thing for sure in and of itself for sure and uh <laughs> let alone a couple of honorary boys so who knows what we're up mm. to any given day and what kind of trouble we might be getting into and whatnot mm. So um, the interesting thing was when we were in high school, my brother was two years older than me, always has been, yeah. still is. <laughs> uh, but he's uh, funny two works. years older than me. And uh, so for me to get a ride to school so I didn't have to ride the school bus, I had to make him breakfast. That was like my job. So if I made him breakfast, I could ride with him and his friends to school in a car. If I didn't make him breakfast, See I, was, you, I was on the yeah. bus. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the problem with that was also if I got up late and, didn't make him breakfast. I'd already missed the bus. <laughs> then I couldn't get a ride to school. So then, you know, I'm walking, whether, you know, snow or yep. rain or sun. And, you know, it's always uh, uphill and I don't know how many miles, right? That's right. To and from both directions. Mm-hmm. So uh, got into high school and in my, uh, my interest in working with my hands, there was this program that came Did across. you go to Oak Park? Oak Park. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oak Park yeah, So did I. So did I. And uh, so Go north, I was uh, offered an opportunity of, an, of a, new, a new thing at the time that they had started with the Botech. So Maplewoods Community College had offered aviation maintenance technology. And since I grew up in an airline family, I was always interested in airplanes. And I thought I was going to be a pilot and learn how to be a mechanic and I could work on my own planes because it's really not a thing. Pilots don't do mechanics and mechanics generally don't do piloting. I thought, well, you know what? I want to do both. So if I'm going to own a plane, I could fix the plane because that's really expensive anyway, let alone just buying the plane. For sure. So um, I went to the Votech school. I was, uh, I was in, in training for aviation maintenance technology. I chose the power plants route, which was uh, engines and hydraulics and such. And, uh, and that was really great. And I had a good time. Uh, so in my junior and senior year, I would go to Oak Park for a couple of hours in the morning and then around 10 o'clock, I'd go over to Maple Woods, and that's where I'd spend the rest of my day. Sweet. So, yeah, it was, it was really really kind of a cool gig, and I was uh, around a lot of older guys, not, not older guys, just people that I could look up to, a little more mature, out in the world a little bit. So, you know, I, I learned a bit working with them and had a really great time. And Somewhere along that process, I decided I was going to uh, take a ski trip to Colorado because the church that my mom and I were attending had this church event, and they could all go to Colorado. I think it was uh, Winter Park, Colorado, and go skiing. 
And there was this one really cute girl that I really, really enjoyed spending some time with. She was going on this trip, so I'm, I'm going to go on the ski trip. It's a lot of fun. So we're out there skiing, and everything's really wonderful. And I saw her on the slopes, and I said, you know, you know, you have any boys? I have one boy. Okay. We have one boy, yeah. Uh, this probably puts fear through your veins when, you're, when your boy says, hey, watch this. <laughs> That's right. So I did that. I said, uh-huh. hey, watch this. So uh-huh. I went over this jump, and I did what's called a daffy. Well, a daffy, you're familiar with what a daffy is? Uh, no, but I, I mean, I skied enough to know. Is that when you, like, pull the pull your heels up and, like, do the? No, it's one tip up, one tip down. So Got you go it. Over, okay. You okay. go over a jump. Oh, boy. It's scissors, oh boy. basically. Yeah. Tip up, tip down. So I did this over this, quote, jump. Well, the reality was it wasn't a jump. It was a mogul. Oh In my boy. head, it was a jump, and I was going to fly, and I was mm-hmm. going to soar, and it was going to be marvelous. Be so impressive. Oh, yeah. I was. Absolutely. Yeah. Right up to the point where my lower tip caught, threw me down on the ground, and dislocated my hip. Oh, gosh, dude. Oh. So now I'm in uh, you know, Not work, as awesome. work with the ski patrol, and they're wrapping me up, and they're putting me in this toboggan, and uh, I was really fearful of the ride. Did down. she see your amazingness? Oh, yes. Did she witness oh, your... Oh, all my glory. All my glory. I, I was spectacular. Uh-huh. Um, haven't seen her since, <laughs> so I guess she wasn't really impressed. But uh, I do remember her name was Jane. That's all I remember. But, That's awesome. Uh, Jane, yeah, Jane, Jane enjoyed your uh, shenanigans. <laughs> she was entertained, yeah, I'm sure. 100%. So they pulled me down the hill, and uh, that was pleasant. That was, that was nice. The ski patrol, and I was, I don't know, I had to be 15, and I was telling them, hey, give me a drink, something to take the edge off. And I was asking for them sure. for alcohol on the, yeah. on the, on the, on the hill. <laughs> So uh, they obviously refused that, and uh, they took me down, and that was really nice. They put me in the ambulance, and then I promise you, between Mm. the ski resort and the hospital, they hit every pothole they could find in the road. So So they bounced me all the way to the hospital in the back of this this ambulance, which was extremely painful with a dislocated hip. Oh, that's brutal. So they they put it back Mm. in place and put me in a body cast. I got in the back of, uh, at this time, my mother's boyfriend's, uh, Bronco, and I was face up, body cast from my knees to my neck, all the way back to Kansas City from Colorado, and then I spent the next six weeks in traction in the hospital. Rough. To, to hold the Rough. hip in place. Well, the thing about this is, with my six weeks in traction, my aviation maintenance got off course. Mm. I was doing well academically, I was doing well physically in the class, everything was going great, but I miss class hours, and the FAA requires a specific number of class hours to be able to take your power plants license. So I got to the end of the course, and I explained it to my, my instructors, and uh, I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm short hours. I can't make it. He said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just sign off on the time card or falsify your time card, and I'll, I'll sign off on it. And I looked at him, and I was shocked. He's like, what? Dang. Yeah. And I said, No. I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. I said, I'll, I'll come back next year and do the makeup time, and then I'll take the test next year. So Dang. I went and got a job with Foot Locker. Um, I was a um, management trainee. It was a very, very cool uh-huh. name job. Oh, yeah, it is. I had the word management in it. Uh-huh. And I was, at that time, I was 18 years old. So um, I took this Metro job. Metro North Mall, Foot yeah. Locker? Metro okay. North Mall. All right. Come on. I started there as a salesman. Six weeks later, I was promoted to an assistant manager position Sweet. in Oak Park Mall, which was the, the wonderful, uh-huh. you know, the best mall in the city. Yep. Uh, and uh, so I came around to my, my makeup time at the, you know, nine months later. But nine months later, I was now the store manager in Topeka, Kansas. And Sweet. I was at 72 degrees now in this particular 
particular place. That's 67 degrees because it's freezing in here, Justin. But I was at 72 degrees and no wind. Or I could go out on the tarmac at 10 degrees or zero degrees or 105 degrees, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm pretty comfortable here. And uh, I was having fun. I really enjoyed the interaction with people a a lot. Mm -hmm. And apparently I was fairly decent at it because they promoted me pretty quick to a store manager. And so I was managing that store for a year and three months. And in the process, I won what was called a big trip. Um, The stores compete in similar size groups all throughout the country. There was about 300 stores at that time. There's probably like 12,000 or something now, who knows. But uh, there were 300 stores and they broke them up into groups of about 20 and they would compete in sales, wages, um, accessory sales, uh, inventory control, whatever those, those key metrics were. And I won this trip and this is great. So I go to London, England. You're 18. I'm 18. 18 or 19. No, I, I started at 18. Okay, got it. Uh, got February it. of uh, 1979. Okay. And May was my birthday. Okay. May the fourth be with you. And then uh, <laughs> and then I went uh, to Topeka in October of that same year. Okay, okay. So I was now 19, uh, managing a store. Dang. Um, had a great time. I mean, there was a lot of responsibility. The pay sure. was great. Bonuses were great. It was really a lot of fun. And uh, <clears throat> the problem came in is I had been dating this girl since I started with Foot Locker. And actually, before I started with Foot Locker, and when I applied for the job and they offered me the job, uh, she was part of that. She you know, encouraged me that. And then when I uh, when I took the job as the uh, manager in Topeka, she was supportive of that. Now it came time to go on this big trip. And the interesting thing was my district manager had never said, you and your wife are mm-hmm. on this trip because I wasn't married. Sure. Uh, he had said, you and Kathy won the big trip. No, he said, you and Kathy are going to England. It's like, yes, I won this trip. That's wonderful. (laughs) Kathy and I are going to England. So I'm there working in my store in Topeka, and I got these plane tickets in, and it said Scott Horseman and Kathy Horseman. It's like, well, Kathy Horseman actually is my mother's name, (laughs) but there is no Kathy Horseman here. She'd passed away before then. Your mom had? She had. She passed away uh, probably the year before that promotion. Mm. Mm. uh, So I'd ask my grandmother what she thought, and she said, hey, this is what you want to do. I'm supportive. Don't worry about me back here in you know, Kansas City and St. Joe. And so uh, we went there and uh, Dang. went on this trip. Well, I was pretty ambitious. So, and my father was still living in New York, and that's where the headquarters is for Foot Locker at the time. And mm. uh, they were actually not far from the World Trade Center. And so we, uh, we decided that we were going to go early a couple of days. I got permission from everybody that I could go visit with the merchandisers and the buyers at Foot Locker and get to know them more personally, which could help merchandise my For store sure. and you For know, sure. have more success. For sure. So I spent a couple of days, which was a lot of fun, a lot of experience. And the, at the end of the second day, it would be the day before we were leaving New York for England. I sat in the office of, his name was Paul McElwee, uh, wonderfully nice guy. He was the general sales manager of the company kind of the face of Foot Locker for the employees and the salespeople and all of that. And a big, beautiful office, big wood desk. I mean, it was New York City with a, with a corner office. Yeah, and the, yeah, you could see every, you know, the beautiful view. But his office was, geez, probably half the side of, of your entire mm. facility that, that I'm sitting in right Dang. now. It was a good size office, yeah. ridiculous size office. And so he kicked back on his desk, and I was sitting there, and I kind of leaned back, and he just started chatting with me like you and I are talking now. And he said, so how long have you and Kathy been married? I said, we're not married. 
And he said, excuse me? I knew at that point that that apparently was a problem. My district manager didn't seem to care about it, who got us the tickets and arranged it. <laughs> so now we're a day away from leaving. And she's England. there in New York with you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was, we stayed at my, my father's house. He rented a house, uh, or part of a house, actually, uh, <laughs> downstairs. And so we're there, and we actually uh, had a very emotional evening. Now, since my father was still a TWA and I was 19, I was still on a pass, so I could fly for free. Mm. So we, we entertained the idea of actually flying to Las Vegas that day, <laughs> that, that evening, getting married, flying back, and then going to England. Oh, my gosh. Because Paul gave us a choice. He said, well, you've got two options. Uh, it's, it's against the law or something for us to transport her across state lines. I said, Paul, you've already done that. Yeah, too late, bro. You already did that from Kansas City to New <laughs> right. York, but he wasn't going to do it again. So apparently he did it unwittingly. Now he would do it knowingly. So uh, it's either that. Uh, so either she can go with you if you're married, or we can fly her back to Kansas City, and you go on yourself, and we'll give you an extra $1,000 because she can't go. Oh, wow. A whole $1,000. Yeah. Right. So uh, <clears throat> we went through that emotional time period that night. Uh, decided that she was going to go back. I'll take the $1,000 and I'll go out there. But um, I took the trip begrudgingly. I was glad to be there. Sure. But every meal. And now I will tell you, it was a pretty cool deal that the Foot Locker had set up. Um, that we had dinner one night with the Lord Mayor of London. We had dinner Dang. once with the Parliament. Uh, we ate in a castle one evening and the wenches served us. And it was just a really cool time. But every but single felt meal. alone, yeah. I, I made sure I didn't feel totally alone because I was getting mm. to know what people there. Sure. But I ordered two meals on every <laughs> single one because I ate one for myself and another entree for Kathy, who that's wasn't awesome. there at the time. So uh, That's awesome. Had a great time on the trip, came back, and she was a bit bitter about that. For sure. And the, the problem is I'm, I'm not really good with ultimatums. Mm. Somebody gives me an ultimatum, it's just, it's kind of like fighting for me. Yeah. It's like, I love choices, but don't give me ultimatums. And she said, well, it's either Foot Locker or me. Well, you know what? After you got back? Ooh. After I got back. Ooh. She said it's either Foot Locker or me. The either or proposition in life seems to be pretty divisive. <laughs> now, it seems to be more options than either or. What you know is, mm -hmm. um, as of this October, I will be happily married for 40 years. To someone not named Kathy. Not named Kathy. That's <laughs> Mandy, my beautiful, <laughs> loved wife. Yep. Uh -huh. Yep. So 40 years, 40 years Come on, this man. October. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. Well, it's, it's, it's been simple and it's what same thing I teach my kids is you don't decide to get married. You make a commitment to another person to be married. Mm -hmm. So when things get tough, which we had a lot of tough times for sure, for sure, there is no back door. There's no option. And you never bring up the D word in your household period ever mm -hmm. because so many of those situations source back to when somebody brought that word up and it plants that evil seed in that blessed marriage and it allows it to fester. So it's just not allowed. You make a commitment, you marry somebody and you marry them for life. It's that simple. So um, now we're not there yet. So Kathy, so Kathy gives you ultimatum. Kathy gave the ultimatum. I chose, chose footlocker. Foot <laughs> a couple of months later, uh, I, oh, I dreamt awesome. of being promoted to Kansas city at Overland Park Mall. That was my, my dream store. Mm. My store in Topeka was doing $420,000 a year. This was back in the 80s. Really. Yeah. The store in Oak Park Mall was doing like $650,000 a year. Dang. And it's like, wow, that's a 50% promotion. Yeah. They didn't offer it to me, but they came to me with another offer. 
And this was an $800,000 store in Landover, Maryland. Whoa. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I must be pretty special. They offered me this promotion. It's really Mm -hmm. wonderful. So uh, that's when I called my grandmother. I mentioned earlier, I said, Grandma, look, uh, I'm going to, uh, I've got an opportunity, but it's long distance. It's to move to Landover, Maryland. She said, where's that? I said, well, I don't know. Somewhere in Outside D.C. or something. (laughs) So in uh, Maryland. Yeah. So she encouraged me that, hey, you know what? Your mom would tell you the same thing that, you know, go. This is what you want to do. This is what you're enjoying. You're you're having a good time at it. So I went out there and I accepted the store and I was oh so proud of myself, Justin. I I was so proud because I was selected for the store out of Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, I found out after I got there that, um, like the week before I checked in, there was a dead body found in the, oh. uh, in the dumpster, and oh. it was a, it was a, a difficult uh, area, mm. um, for some people. Mm. Now myself, yeah, there were different security issues. There was a lot of theft attempts and things like that. But honestly, I just love the people. And the uh, one of our, uh, our our key customers at that store was Sugar Ray Leonard. Awesome. And uh, so when you look back at the 80s, That's awesome. if you see any of the photographs of Juanita, his wife, and Little Ray wearing warm-up suits, they bought them from me. That's amazing. Uh, so he would always come in and look <laughs> I didn't me. have that on the bingo card, to be honest. I had no idea that you sold tracksuits to oh, Sugar yeah. Ray Leonard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I was a, I was a genius marketer, too. I got to tell you, that's Justin. <laughs> there was this one shoe that came out, and I think it was 1986, and... Um, I looked at that shoe. It just showed up at my store. I didn't, I didn't ask anybody for it. It just showed up, and there was like two dozen of them that came in. And it was the, uh, the ugliest shoe that I had ever seen. And remember, I'm a really good marketer. I'm doing great with this store. I'll tell you a little bit about that soon. So uh, we, the, the thing that helped me be successful at the store was I realized that the people there knew more about that market than I did. Sure. So the assistant managers that I had there in the store and some of the employees – understood the local customer and they understood the local customer's needs and they looked at that and they were so excited and mm-hmm. it's like I, I literally told them I said this thing will never sell I can't believe they sent me this that was the first model of the Air Jordan shut up absolutely no way yes so I in my genius marketing <laughs> tells you about my marketing that's why we hired Gil Conte, okay? I'm not a genius marketer. So um, we went on. No uh, way. Oh, yeah. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I could. Uh, I just, today, I don't know how many you know, tens of thousands of oh. dollars uh, one of those would be worth a quarter million or whatever for a pair of those. Un- the originals, but, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So uh, just through marketing, awesome. communications with the New York office and all of that, we grew that store from 800000 to like $2.2 million and set all sorts of records for the company out of, Landover, Maryland. We're the largest Dang. store on the continent of uh, the United States. Why? And why? Yeah. Because I listened to the people that worked around me and worked for me in the store. I was excited about life, and I just loved people. Um, you know, we, like I said, we had some security issues. There were times where a guy came in, and he would, uh, he grabbed a couple of duffel bags off the floor and just walked out. I mean, this guy was big. Okay, he was probably. 6'6", six, six and mm. 250 pounds, 300 pounds. And so I walked out to, uh, you know, grab him back from him. And uh, we had a few issues. I mean, one time I, I did this in my day off, and somebody tried to steal something out of the store, and I, of course, confronted him because I didn't like that. That was wrong. And yeah. uh, we ended up getting in a little bit of a scrap and tore my leather jacket and 
So <laughs> company didn't pay me back for that, by the way. So that, that took some of the fun out of out of this. But I was responsible for inventory control, and yep. so I got to make sure it's there. Yeah, but uh, we we had a lot of time, a lot of great times, and and had a had a really enjoying uh, period of life. Uh, I had met Mandy, uh, who's my wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. A little while after she's I got there, she's tremendous. By the way, you know that, but she's tremendous. She is uh, indescribably tremendous. Tremendous doesn't do her justice, in my opinion. But that's because I'm very for biased. sure. For sure. So uh, wonderful, wonderful, fabulous woman. And um, so she had come into my store, and she was working for a sister store at the next mall down. Um, so back to... Yeah, Foot Locker. She was a Foot Locker person? No, it was oh. called Susie's Casuals. And oh. Susie's Casuals was owned by F.W. Woolworth. Got so it. it was a sister company. They were both owned by F.W. Woolworth. I got you. Okay, okay. Well, interestingly, one of the assistant managers I had for me in Topeka had taken a promotion out to Maryland as an assistant manager, and he was the assistant manager at the other mall's footlocker, dating Sweet. her manager at Susie's Casuals. So <laughs> the retail world, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so he was talking to her about me, and so she came in to quote check me out. Yeah. And uh, she's buying some Air, some Jordan ones, man. No, see, she did it wrong. She did it all wrong. She what she did is she had this strategy. She was going to buy something at the one at Forestville, which was the mall she worked at, and then return it at my store. Uh-huh. So she brought in these shorts that she bought, and I of course because. Any returns need to be approved by the store manager at that time. So I went up the counter, started talking to her. I think, oh, she's pretty cute. Mm. Well, she's really nice. Mm. But she said she wanted to return them. I said, hey, no problem. Why'd you want to return them? She said, oh, well, you don't have the style here that I that I wanted. They have it down at the Forestville store. Okay, my pride kicked in right there, Justin. Nobody has a better merchandise selection than Foot Locker and Landover Mall that Scott Horseman is managing right then. Okay, <laughs> nobody. Uh, and we were doing twice the volume of that other store, at least at that time. And... Um, so I, I challenged her on it, and I gave her a, a, a little bit of a, of a hassle about mm. returning these shorts because she wasn't being straight with me. Mm. Uh, but then, honestly, I just I have a hard time letting people lie to me. I, I do. That's just who I am. Mm. So she, I, sorry, babe, I said lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's soften that she, up a yeah, little bit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was trying to play you a little bit. So yeah. So we, end result was I refunded them, uh, had her go on her way, and that kind of thing, and then. Uh, then later is when my friend wanted to set us up on a date and said that she'd, cause she'd been in your store. I said, oh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember her. So, yeah. So um, I said, hey, let's, uh, I got her set up and we took a double date and we did double date at this place in, in the little restaurant in the mall, not down from my store. So it was me and, and Bruce was the assistant manager and um, her store manager and then Andy. <laughs> and the interesting thing was, is I didn't know it at the time, but uh, she was not 18. And this restaurant was a restaurant and bar. So, of course, I bought drinks, I bought dinner, and I ended up contributing to her <laughs> alcoholic condition. Uh, not, not that she's an alcoholic. I didn't say that right. Contributing in that, alcohol in that to moment, a minor. In that yeah, moment. In that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I'm walking her out to her car, and, uh, and she, was, she was okay to drive. Okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah. she yeah. seemed it to me at least. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the weird thing was, the strangest thing happened at that time. She had me promise that I would call her back. Mm. And I'm thinking, promise? Jeez, I was going to beg you if I could call That's you right. back. And she had me promise no to what. call her. Yeah. So we instantly fell in like mm. and over a short period of time fell in love and uh, got married and had a daughter, Jennifer. Is she from Maryland? Mandy is from Maryland. Got it. Okay. My daughter, Jennifer, is from Maryland. Mm. So uh, we bought a, little, bought a house. 
we rented a house initially, then we bought a, uh, had a new house built and mm-hmm. just moved into the new house. And then Foot Locker came to me again and said, hey, um, you know, you've had a good run here at, in Landover, you know, all of these accomplishments and manager of the year, mm-hmm. trainer of the year, all these things. And um, we want to uh, promote you to a district manager position. And we're thinking of either Jacksonville or Oklahoma City. And uh, I said, well, I looked into both of them and decided Oklahoma City mm. was going to be the place. So uh, three weeks after Jennifer was born, Dang. two weeks after Jennifer was born, we put her in a car, and Mandy drove with Jennifer Dang. all across because I was working. I yeah. was already there in yeah. Oklahoma as a district manager now. Dang. And uh, so we spent 10 years in Oklahoma City. Uh, I was a district manager for Footlogger traveling Oklahoma, West Texas, uh, Arkansas. I mean, it was a... It I was did a, not know any of this. Oh, dude, I was a road warrior and now this is the scary part i don't do this anymore so any of you listeners out there i don't do this if you see me driving my car don't worry about me doing this but i would process all of my mail on the road to my stores because i would go from oklahoma city to amarillo Mm. have you ever taken that drive nope i-40 nope no desire tumbleweeds Mm. and prairie all the way there Mm. so i would have my organized organization in my car i would have all my new mail in the front seat and then behind me was the good mail that needed to be processed. I had to get it to my secretary with notes on it. And over behind the passenger seat on the floor was the trash pile. So I'd throw a lot in the trash, a lot here. And I would read all of my mail on I-40 as I went out to Amarillo. <laughs> so there we are. That's awesome. Um, so we had a great time. We were there for 10 now years. Now we're saying don't text and drive. <laughs> the back of the day, is like, dude, don't read your mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if anything happened, I mean, there we didn't have cell phones at the time, so we're driving across, you know, for I-40. Sure. Maybe somebody will see me if something for sure. happened. But. So. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So I uh, I became, uh, actually, I had a, had a great time as a district manager. Enjoyed that a lot. And uh, the last year that I'd worked for Foot Locker, no, the last year, uh, huh. almost the last year, I was district manager of the year for a region. Oh, I forgot to mention, as a, as a store manager, I was uh, rookie manager of the year the first mm-hmm. year I was in Topeka for the entire company at that time. So it kind of got me some recognition. That's how yeah. I got the promotion because kind of let some of the, hey, what about this guy? Sure. Oh, sure. Remember how, how good I was and why I got promoted to <laughs> Landover, Maryland? Remember that part I yeah. told you? Yeah, uh-huh. Double that up. I was the 17th person they offered that store to. Oh. oh. See, number one, I wasn't that special. <laughs> number two. You didn't need to know that, though. Everybody was afraid of the store. Huh. It was in this rough area. They called it a real tough black area of the, mm. of the country. And mm. it's like, hey, I, I thought I was in a black market store in Topeka, mm. Kansas. Is my perspective was off a little bit, but I loved it. The people yeah. were awesome. I enjoyed it. Um, mm. Lot of lot of great memories. Awesome. Lot of great memories. So That's so awesome. Uh, so I'm not as great as I thought I was. You see that? <laughs> I was number 17 on the list, somewhere in there. But, yeah, 12, 13, 17. But in all seriousness, then you took the, you took what might have been an area of oversight or hey, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll say that. I'll say no. You said yes and turned it into something really special. I think that's cool. Yeah, and Mandy helped me with it, too. Uh, in the last couple of years I was there, um, things were <clears throat> just so strong in business. It was crazy how much business we did out of that store. I had her come in as a bookkeeper. So she worked for me as an employee, as a bookkeeper, employee of Foot Locker, as a bookkeeper, which was really great because I couldn't keep up with all the paperwork. For sure. They didn't have point-of-sale point of computer terminals, for those of you listening that haven't heard that term. Cash we, and check, man. We had tickets, and every single product we sold, whether it was a sock, an insole, a shoe, we had to write up a ticket that had the oh department, the item number, 
and we still did 2.2 million out of that store. That's insane. So, um, that's insane. Keeping track of all that was terrible. And we had, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars cash every night because our customers like paying cash. So I would have these massive deposits, um, which actually once, one time, uh, we lost part of one of our deposits, but it was, it ended up being an employee that took it. Oh, uh, man. $12,000. And I had to pay Whoa. it back. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that these days, but yeah. they required <laughs> me to pay that back personally. Seriously? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. Yeah, because I was responsible. I was yeah. the manager on duty. And Dang. I had, I had, I had started counting out the cash and I was getting the deposit ready. Uh, That's crazy. I, I, did it, I did it early while the mall was still open so we could make the major part of our cash deposit while we were open when security guards were mm-hmm. there. So when we made the last it night deposit, one. it was real small yeah. and not appetizing for anybody. Well, I had apparently left twelve grand on the desk because there was an emergency out front. I had to go take care of a customer, oh, no. and I just left it there instead of putting it in the safe. So I was responsible. It was me that neglected it. But I, I, I couldn't believe that one of my employees would have, would have stolen it. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Gosh. So um, back to yeah. district managerhood, if yeah. you will. Oklahoma uh, City. Oklahoma City, district manager of the year. And then right after district manager of the year award, mm. I was called up to mm. our New York office and into the human resource managers uh, or director of human resources office. And I thought, this is a little weird. So I was called up on there and, uh, like fly to New York, do yeah, the whole thing. Fly to New okay. York, and you don't uh, really know why. Yeah, and my regional manager, my immediate boss, wasn't going to be there, which is weird because normally, you know, your yeah, boss yeah. is going to chain be of there command, yeah, do the exactly. thing, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting in his office, and he says, uh, "Hey, we've got reports that uh, you've been talking to your store managers after hours or at dinners with them because we, as a district manager." would go into the store surprise visit in the morning. So we'd show up right when the gate opens. And sometimes I'm there before the gate opens and they'd, you know, walk in and say, Oh joy. Great. Scott's yeah. The be boss here is here. Yeah. Right. So we do a full inspection of the store, a full report, all of their areas of operation, grade, everything go over it real good. And then we're told to take them and their wife or their spouse out to dinner and just get to know them on a personal level. Yeah. And Seems I really, really love human. That. Yeah. 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 It was really great. It's yeah. human first. Yeah. It's there. really human. So um, we did that, and I, I really enjoyed that part of it. I really enjoyed getting to know their, their families and learn about them personally. <clears throat> and when they ask me questions, I'll tell them about me. Mm. And um, so they ask questions about me, and I'll tell them. I, I tell them my joy comes from Christ. I'll tell them I enjoy going to church, and I'd encourage they to do the same thing and get involved in a small group. <clears throat> And so I would talk to them very openly about mm. whatever they wanted to talk about. Mm. <clears throat> Apparently that was against the laws or against mm. the rules at Foot Locker at that time. So they said, you can't talk they about that. They didn't like that. that. Yeah. They said, yeah, when you take your managers out, you, you can't talk to them about your faith. You can't talk to them about church. You can't talk to them about God. I said, well, yes, I can. I mean, you, you love already, ultimatums. You, you get, you get, good point. We've established that. <laughs> good point. Hey, Phil boss. You actually, no. <laughs> so uh, I said, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him about that because you have taught me and you've instructed me to get to know them personally. This is part of who I am. This is getting to know them personally. So I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to stop doing that. So over the next few months, um, Dang. the new, regional manager. There was a new, new boss of mine. Okay. Um, 
I have utmost respect for Ralph Parks, mm-hmm. who actually went on from Foot Locker, who is uh, to run uh, Foot Action. Uh, oh, sweet! When he when he left Foot Locker, wonderful, wonderful man, and mm. he was a great mentor for me mm. and a Christian man. Mm. And so he left. This other guy came in, which ironically, <clears throat> he was the district manager of the Hawaii store, and he moved over as my regional manager. Now, remember, I said earlier that mm. the Foot Locker and Landover Mall was the largest on the continent. That excludes Hawaii. So I was the largest on the continent. Then Hawaii opened up while I was managing my Foot Locker store. And it, its first year out, it did two and a half million. Whoa, why? Of all the tourism? Tourism. So you've got Dang. Japanese tourism and Kay. U.S. tourism. Okay. They meet there, buy, a, buy American Nike shoes, and go back to Japan. Huh. Uh, China, Japan. Huh. Uh, but it was an Asian uh, community. Wow. So... I, I never could catch up to him, but I always gave him a good run for their money. Yeah. So we were, yeah. you know, go, go, yeah. go, go, go. Yeah. And apparently Clyde, Mr. Roenbeck, didn't like that much. So he came in as my regional manager with a, with a, a chip on his shoulder. He did not like me, even though I was district manager of the year, even though I did a great job for them. He just had an edge, something he didn't like huh. about me. Huh. And uh, so... What I learned was over the next couple of months, every time he visited my district, he would go back and write a report. And he would falsify that report and put lies in there. And the only reason I know this, remember I said Ralph Parks, the wonderful man? Yeah. Well, his secretary was Debbie. Hmm. And Debbie liked me. Debbie knew me. I liked Ralph. Everybody got along great. And we had a very open relationship. Well, she gave me the the heads up that he was writing lies about me that she had to type and she had to mail them to dang. the New York office. So she hated that. It was just eating oh, her soul up. Dang. So she, she confided in me with that information, which to this day, I've never told anybody else that, yeah. um, dang. who that was and, and such. But uh, so what he did is he built a case. So he built a case, district manager of the year this year. Oh, now, no, he's, he's doing this. He's doing, yeah. yeah. Dude's so a scumbag. <laughs> they knew better than to fire me because they had, didn't have a reason to do that. I mean, they'd have a religious issue if they mm. fired me for, mm. for my faith. And so what they did is they offered me a demotion to a store in Oklahoma City where I was previously a district manager. Now I'm going to be a store manager. Mm-hmm. So I accepted that. And uh, with a little... Well, yeah, because now at this point you've got, you've got a kid in the mix. and I do. Yeah. Uh, but it was also about proving myself to them. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, mm-hmm. you, you can try to knock me down, but I'm not going to stay down. So mm-hmm. they, I took the store and had record sales and... Uh, and profits and personnel development. And then about nine to 12 months later, I left. Mm-hmm. So that was my story with Foot Locker. Dang. I had no idea. I didn't know any of that. I'm struck by a couple of things. One is, um, and especially that time, from from probably the time you left Oak Park to maybe, I, I don't know, the, the college boom was like this. The assumption of, oh, you must go to college kind of, dominated all the like traditional high school scene right and and then you know fast forward into today's landscape and we're dealing with this with our own kids of the assumption or the expectation is you must do college that is the logical and necessary and most helpful next step and we're we're in real conversation with our oldest daughter who went who's gone one year good experience loved it and she's now on her own kind of discovering with, with help of some friends and some, some of her own mentors. Um, I was like, wait, she, she caught the money-making bug this summer and she's been working her tail off. And she's like, wait, 
And so the math, the the you know the equations are starting to light up the the synapses and, and whatnot. And um, she's contemplating like maybe I should just not do that. And she understands and, ROI and, and work and see hey if I if I the the cash output or debt output over the next three years looks like X, the input could look like this if I bust my tail and start to get some real world experience. Not for everybody, right? Like you got, if you're going to be a surgeon, go to school, (laughs) but for someone like her, and it sounds like someone like you, you lived this like 18 Votech, go produce and go add value into the real world. And that, that, that experience seemed really illuminating knowing what I know of you now, seeing those or hearing that experience seems pretty formative in the sense of, how you learn to lead, how you learn to rally, how you learn to develop, how you learn to manage conflict and deal with conflict, and all the that stuff is pretty tricky to learn in a classroom. It is, um, and so I just I think that it sounds like what? How many years was that? Seven, eight years of experience there in total. Uh, from when to when? From the start of Foot Locker Topeka to left Oklahoma City. How many years was that? Uh, Fifteen years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I was yeah. ten. I was six okay. years in Maryland. Got it. Okay. And then I was ten years in um, in Oklahoma City. So yeah. I guess and we're like sixteen, seventeen yeah. years working for the yeah. company. Yeah, that's amazing. And and again, knowing what I know of you now, I know of you as Scott, the owner and entrepreneur of Christian Brothers Roofing, and that backstory now illuminates so much more of like, oh, there are some real lessons learned in. Lando, Andover, Landover, 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 and Oklahoma City, and the New York City. Those those stories are really insightful. Um, so I appreciate you sharing. It's really cool. What'd you do now? What? So you were you you got you embraced the demotion with your own level of courage. Um, what'd you do after that? You said you left after nine to twelve months. Yeah, uh, I wanted to do something different. I was I was thinking I wanted to do something in HR because I really like people mm-hmm. so much and. Everybody was telling me, of course, oh, no, you can't move from, you know, retail sales to human resource. That's just not that type of thing. And, but uh, what I ended up doing right after that is uh, one of my store managers that had worked uh, for me, he managed a store for, for me in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. His name was Stephen McCullough. Still is Stephen McCullough. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he had an idea. And uh, this was when computers were really starting to come online because mm-hmm. when I took my district manager position, um, my secretary that I hired, her husband worked for Xerox and Xerox had just made this computer. A lot of other companies had just made a computer and she brought it in cause her, her husband was an engineer. And so we had this computer in my office and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to broke it. I didn't want to touch a button and got break the computer and it would never be any good. So, um, so that was my first introduction to computers. Well, 10 years later, I'm no longer district manager. Computers are on the scene. The internet's becoming popular and things like that. And Stephen had designed a training program for an online education Mm. um, that he was network marketing. That's Mm. the way he developed his brand. Mm. And so he hired me on as a uh, operations manager. And so I I took my my job with Zibicom. And then he asked me if I'd go to the Philippines and open up an office for him. So I- uh, You're still living in Oklahoma City at this point? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I went to the Philippines and opened up an office. I was going to be there a couple of weeks, you know, buy some computers, hire some people, and then we'll work remote a lot and we'll go back and forth and that kind of Dang. thing. Three months later, I came back 
Uh, so I was there at two months. I guess I was there Dang. for a full two months, Dang. a little over two months. And interestingly, it was at the time when they were having the riots mm. uh, and there were American citizens being beheaded out there in the Philippines. And it was a really rough time. Jeez. So my wife was back home scared. Freaking out. Death. Sure. Um, I was actually staying in a hotel where the riots were happening down at the base of the hotel in the front of, of that building. But my hotel was connected to office by a shopping mall mm. so we would go from the hotel through the shopping mall into the office and back so we pretty much stayed inside a lot of the time yeah uh, but no we were out in a bunch of people filipino people are beautiful people mm. a lot of christian spirit mm. out there and mm. they prepare food differently than we do so that was a little getting used to <laughs> uh so after a while we got uh, got them up and running and then uh, i think i was with zibicom for about nine months okay and okay. it really became obvious that he wanted it to be his family business and uh-huh. didn't need really me anymore yeah. now that we kind of got things going. So yeah. uh, so he went on to have some great success with that, yeah. and, and I moved on. That's awesome. What brought you to KC? Uh, Kansas City, actually, was... What uh, brought you back to KC? I, I had a stint mm-hmm. in, uh, in Tulsa. So mm-hmm. after 10 years in Oklahoma City, uh, I had uh, started a job as a business consultant after Zabicom, mm-hmm down in uh, Oklahoma City. It was called uh, a company called Priority Management. Mm. And it was organizational skills, time management, stress management, mm. uh, strategic skills. Uh, and we did this through workshops and then follow up mm. working with coaching on the individual clients each month for mm. a year or so after the, the workshops. And uh, so I had uh, moved to Tulsa to, to do that. And was really good at uh, developing new clients, so so that helped with the business real well. I wasn't as good as some of the guys at growing within that client base. My skill set, some reason, I just didn't develop that kind of a deeper relationship with the clients that uh, that grew a lot more business. So I would bring in more smaller business mm. and, and and do fairly well with that, and, and enjoyed doing that for a while. And uh, so while I was doing that, one of my clients was uh, WorldCom. Tulsa area. So they had a big old facility out there and they were there. WorldCom, are you familiar with WorldCom? Uh, not really. Uh, telecommunications. Okay. It's like Sprint, okay. WorldCom, Got AT&T. It. Okay. okay. It was one of the biggies. Okay. So WorldCom's there owned by Bernie Ebers or CEO Bernie Ebers. And I'm working for WorldCom and uh, things are going well. I'm a, I'm a training manager mm-hmm. for them and because uh, I'd left uh, yep. uh, priority management to go to WorldCom for this corporate position with mm. stock options. That was the big draws, these stock options. Mm. And and they were building. It was great. At the mm. time, I think I had about $125,000 in stock options at the current value yeah. Yeah. Uh, that had not yet vested. Mm. And for those that don't understand how that works out there, they're not really mine yet. They're just <laughs> promised. <laughs> That's right. And uh, Good you, luck, you can, a stock option is you can buy stock at the price that they offered it to you back then. So if the company grows, mm. you buy stock for a dollar and it's now worth $100. You make a lot of money or you know whatever the, the, mm-hmm. the numbers work out to be. So in beginning of January, I think it was January, um, my stock options was worth about $125,000, which was more than I owed on my house. And I thought, man, I can pay off my house with these totally. stock options. And I was ready to vest like in the next couple of months. Well, that's when the world, well, actually that's when WorldCom was working on a merger with Sprint. Mm. So I was promised the training manager position in Kansas City by WorldCom once the MCI 
our MC, it was it was now MCI WorldCom, so it was MCI merged with WorldCom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So MCI WorldCom was going to merge with Sprint, and I was promised that training manager position in Overland Park, Kansas City, mm-hmm. and I went perfect. Then I'm getting back home because mm-hmm. I've always wanted to get back to Kansas mm-hmm. City, and um, so along that process in the discovery and the FTC and everybody's involvement in in such, uh, it came to light that Bernie Eppers, the CEO of WorldCom, was a crook. Oh, God. So he had cooked the books, yeah. and he had inflated the numbers to, to show profits that weren't there. And my stock options in 30 days went from 125000 to probably I owed them 125000 if oh. I bought the stock. I chose not to buy the stock. Yeah. Uh, so I ended, up, yeah, I ended up getting laid off from that position because uh, they consolidated to their St. Louis office, and I was traveling between St. Louis and, Can- and, uh, and Tulsa at the time. So, Dang. Yeah. So... There we go. Dang. Um, so shortly after that, I uh, I went to work with um, with uh, Lowe's. Uh, okay. And I went into their training program as a as a managed trainee, which was which was hard for my ego because mm. I was a district manager before, and now I'm going to be a management manager yeah. trainee again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I had to get past that and, and enjoyed it. Enjoyed mm. the work a lot. Enjoyed mm. the people a lot. It was really great. And so I went through the program down in Tulsa. And uh, helped them open a couple of stores in that area. Bixby, Oklahoma was one of the stores I worked in and, and a couple of others. And then uh, it was time for promotion to store manager to Kansas City. Mm. So my district manager, uh, Mark, he said, uh, hey, I want to tell you about this store. This, this manager that's there, he's, he's kind of a, a bit of a wet noodle. He just doesn't have a backbone. He's not <laughs> disciplined as people. The store is struggling. And it's at 135th and State Line. So uh, he said, I want you to be the, the store manager there, and I want you to hold them accountable. And you know what? Accountability is in my DNA. So that was easy for me. <laughs> so I went in, and, and I, uh, I held them accountable. I got, got to know people, but I probably didn't get to know them as well as I should have. But I was definitely strong on the accountability part. Uh, sales went up. Sales were strong. Profits are strong. We're in the you know, top three to five in, in most all categories. And everything's going great. Um, in the in the Lowe's stores, they have a human resource manager and then the store manager, but they don't report to each other. Got so it. the human resource manager reports to the corporate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kay. And then I go up through my, my chain of command. I'm responsible for everything else. Well, we were having difficulty with one of the department managers. So I followed protocol, did everything I possibly could, um, Talked to him, gave him warnings, gave him write-ups, but he his area, his electrical department, was the worst in the store. It was never st- down stock, so customers didn't have inventory. As a result of it not being down stock, we didn't have good sales in electrical because the product wasn't on the shelves right. where it needed to be to sell it. But he would go yes. around every day, sipping his coffee, talking to everybody. He was loved by all, but <laughs> not respected by anybody. Yeah. Okay. So I ended up firing him. And he said, well, you can't fire me. I said, well, yeah, I can, and I did. So he left. Interestingly, and this is the part I didn't know, is remember the store manager that didn't have a backbone? He was fired from that store before I was given that store. Okay, yeah. He was having an extramarital affair with the human resource manager in my store. Conflict seems. Seems to be conflict. So what that means is everything Mm. I thought was confidential between me and my HR went to her boyfriend and went to his friends, department managers in the store. So they undermined my store. Oh, my gosh. So 
once again, mm-hmm. we got to a situation where I had a meeting with an HR guy. Mm. And uh, this particular incident was uh, what was brought to light was over uh, a door that had been ordered that we had painted for a customer. Well, one of my department managers ordered a, a door in a particular color for a customer that wasn't available. The door came in, the customer was upset. South Kansas yep. City, yep. and yep. That, that customer was upset and wanted the door that color. And so I told my assistant manager, I said, well, let's have somebody professionally paint it for her. Let's get her taken care of. And so I looked around, looked around. They couldn't get anybody that would professionally paint the door that, that would give any kind of warranty on the work. And uh, they said, well, hey, but we've got a guy that works in hardware, and he used to paint aircraft for the military. I said, well, he's qualified in my book. (laughs) I mean, if if Uncle Sam says he's good enough to paint, I say he's good enough to paint. So we hired him. I said, pay him the same thing you'd pay anybody else. I wanted to be fair to the guy. Uh, So we paid him, you know, the... the, um, Whatever the fee was. Yeah, whatever the fee was for for paint work. Got the customer. Customers thrilled with the door. Everybody's happy. Until December 15th of that year. Mm. Now, December 15th is... 16 days away from December 31st. And you have to be employed with Lowe's as of December 31st in order to receive your bonus that you've earned that year. So the HR manager came into my office. Oh, boy. Uh, the, the regional HR manager without the local guy uh, and without my district manager again. And uh, he asked me a question. He says, um, hey, have you ever asked anybody to work off the clock? I said, No. And he said, uh, well, I, I'd heard there's something about a door that was painted. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told him the whole story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's front. the customer. Here it is. Darn, all of this. Here's why. Here's what happened. Well, apparently my assistant manager was one of those good friends of the manager without backbone who had been having the extramarital affair. So he had he knew, I didn't even know it was against the rules at that point, but he knew that it was violating a policy. Dang. And um, so he turned me in for that. And I lost my job, lost my bonus. Oh, my uh, god! And left, left Lowe's. Uh, now, at that point, I could have easily, easily filed a wrongful sure. uh, suit against them. I, I reached out to the uh, hardware associate, and I said, hey, uh, could you meet with me and tell me, you know, what's going on? He says, yeah, I didn't. I heard that you, you left, but I didn't know why you left the store. And he agreed to meet, and then because I told him a little bit of what was going on, and then he didn't show up. And I called him, and didn't answer a couple times later I called him and he did answer and I said hey what's going on can we get together he said well my lawyers said I shouldn't talk with you and I'm thinking okay he doesn't have lawyers Lowe's has lawyers Lowe's lawyers told him not to talk with me so uh, at that point I I left Lowe's and dang and yet I mean at this point you and Mandy have had 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 more children right I mean so your family is growing yeah um What'd that look like then? How was that conversation? <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Family's growing. We've got uh, we've got uh, three kids. We're having our fourth. Well, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and this was one of those times in there where I had I was working uh, I was working for property management, but we didn't have any health insurance, mm. so I had a conversion van, which was really the thing. Back oh yeah, then. Oh, those are sweet. awesome. Yeah, you know, seats captain spin around. seats that spin around, <laughs> carpeted walls, a sweet little round table in the back, little television uh-huh. back there, oh, yeah. and classy. It was really great. So our fourth son Colby was delivered, and I sold that van so I could pay for his hospital bill. Dang. So we were we were broke. I mean, there was times when we were in Tulsa that, that mm. we couldn't feed our family. I had to go to the church and, and go to the pantry, mm. and 
we had a really, really rough time mm. um, financially. And it was with party management, I would have great months. I'd work this month. I make $15,000 next month. I make $1,500. Mm. And it was that inconsistency, which would cause me to go back sure. to corporate America. Sure. Uh, Cause I, I saw the, the difficulty that Mandy had with that. Yeah, of so, course. Um, you know, she wants to take care of the kids. I've of course. Be able to feed yeah, them. of course. So uh, we've got uh, four kids then, and Dang. Uh, then we're we're moving to Kansas City. So Dang. Come to Fort Lauderdale. So after the Lowe's conversation, how how'd that go at home when you came back and had to say, "Here's what happened." You know, I don't remember a lot about that. Mm. I, I really don't remember, um, other than of course anger, and you know, sure. We were, that's when we we talked about you know taking some action, and then we realized mm. that look, we can drag this out. It'll take a couple of years, and we could probably succeed. But what have we done to our life in the meantime? So I, uh, I got connected with another fellow here in town that uh, was doing some business coaching mm. and began business coaching, mm. uh, helping small business owners with uh, mm. with their operations and sales and marketing and human resources and mm. financials and everything like that. Yeah, and uh, and enjoying that for some time. And interestingly, one of uh, one of his clients was a residential roofing company. So a uh, residential roofing company that was located in, uh, in Gladstone, mm. as a matter of fact, mm. uh, not from where, not far from where our offices are right yeah. now. Yeah. And so I went to work uh, uh, as a consultant and I was working probably oh, a couple of years as mm. a consultant. And my partner, I call him my partner, he actually owned the business. Mm. I, we, were, we were working it as a partnership, but I didn't have any mm. legal entity in the business. And he said, um, Hey, my one of my clients is needing some help, and uh, I said, "Well, what's going on?" He said, "Well, there had just been this hailstorm through Kansas City North, all the way from, you know, uh, the whole mm-hmm. swath across the north with, with Liberty and Platte City and Gladstone and, and uh, everything all across the north of Kansas City." Uh, and this was, I believe, two thousand six, and uh, they needed some help. And I said, "Well, look, I I just met a guy at small group last night at church." And uh, at Pleasant Valley, I was mm. going to Pleasant Valley mm. at the time, and uh, he had lost his job with Low. I'm not sorry, with Home Depot, and mm. had four kids and was out of job. But it's like, hey, I know that guy, story. Yeah, <laughs> this guy, this guy might be uh, might be a good candidate. So I recommended him, and uh, they uh, they interviewed him. They hired him. It was great for about mm. a month, and then they called again and said, hey, we're needing somebody else. You got anybody else you can recommend? I thought, well, the way my business consulting was is I would go with clients work with clients in their offices for anywhere from two to four hours, two, three, four, whatever they chose. And there was no accounts receivable. So when I show up, they have a check written for me. They hand me the check and I work with them. If I do a good job, they'll hire me again. Mm. If I don't do a good job, they won't hire me again and I don't schedule anything else on the appointment. So I would have half days with blocks of nothing. And I thought, well, look, if I consolidate my, my blocks, Mm. I might be able to take a day here and then a Saturday and I can, Mm. I can help these guys out part time. Mm. So I, I met with the owner. We drove around, met with a couple of customers. I seemed to really enjoy it. I took to it pretty well. And they said, well, you know, you, you want to you do this? I said, well, yeah, I think I can do this. So I did. And I did that for a couple of years. And I was their top salesman. Dang. Part-time. That's awesome. For over two years. Uh, I was, at the time, probably making about $120,000 a year selling mm. roofing. And mm. my, my business coaching wasn't mm. as lucrative. Mm. And, and you're doing a part-time. And I'm doing yeah. it part-time. And uh, so I uh, Dang. I was uh, <laughs> always keeping track of everything. So I would keep track of, you know, what I sold, what I 
what I was supposed to commission from that, what the job costs were, everything. And I noticed after a while, <clears throat> my commission started going down on certain jobs. Uh, and we, at that time, we were doing a lot of jobs mm. down in Johnson County where you were switching over from what was a wood shake roof mm. to a composition roof, and you had to put decking down, so there was an extra expense. Mm. You don't just tear it off and put a new roof on. You have to tear it off, then you have to put decking down, and then you have to put all the, all the mm. roofing materials on. So because of that, we had to buy OSB, four by eight sheets, sure. and sometimes from our suppliers, sometimes from Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever. And I noticed that the jobs that we did that on, my, my commissions were going down, and I was paid a percentage of the profit of the job. It's like, well, why are my commissions under my budget? Because remember the guy I told you that mm. um, needed a job? He had worked for Home Depot, had yeah. four kids. Well, after he started working there, he built this little... After he started working there, he built this mm. Excel spreadsheet to help him out with his customers. And I, I saw him, and I saw what he was doing. I said, well, hey, that's pretty cool. For sure. You, you share that with me. And he said, nope. And I said, seriously, seriously, come on, share that with me. He said, no. And I said, why won't you share this with me? Now, realize this is a guy that you was unemployed, find a job. got a job. He's having a good success at this job, and he's not sharing his worksheet. I said, well, why don't you want to share this with me? He said, well, you're my competition. Whoa. Dude, I'm not your competition. You're your competition. Whoa. You, you work with your customers. I No, I'm not sharing it with you. So I made a decision at that point. Whoa. I said, you know what? I'll build, build an Excel worksheet, and I'll build it better than his. <laughs> well, ironically, I did. And I actually, the, the company I was working for ended up using it for all of mm -hmm. their salespeople and their office staff because it did everything start to finish. Um, I still use that same worksheet today, Dang. and we're actually now, I'm in a partnership uh, with a development company to turn it into a real estimating software. That's awesome. I've tried to do that twice in the last 10 mm. years, but they, each of the, each of the uh, mm. data developer companies that I hired underestimated its, its strength and its capacity and what mm. it does. Mm. They said, oh, it's an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, we can do it for this amount, and they got into it and just couldn't. Mm. So Dang. now I'm, I'm with a guy that... that we're equally yoked, uh, yeah. great Christian fella, mm. uh, Lonnie mm. with Zeotech out of uh, Denver. Mm. And uh, we created a partnership outside of our, our companies uh, to develop this That's awesome. software. That's awesome. So we're, uh, we're excited about it. Uh, finally, uh, I, I guess the, the, the success in this mm. will be in the fact that he sees what I see mm. and that we can, we can develop this together and, and share in, in its success. And I've tried so many other things with our company over the years, Christian Brothers Roofing, yeah. um, that we've looked at software, but they always fall short. Mm -hmm. And so our plan is hopefully that yeah. maybe this will work Solve out. it. Yeah. This will work out. So we got to solve it first for ourselves yeah, yeah. and make sure it works sure. well for us. And sure. then we can look at possibly marketing it yeah. uh, beyond that. That's awesome. That's, uh, but back to the story. Uh, kind of got off track mm. there a little bit. It's okay. So I'm working here. I'm developing the spreadsheet. And uh, they're running on it, and uh, I'm auditing these records because, you know, mm. every job is done on the spreadsheet that I created, so I understand how it all works. Sure. I have all the numbers here, and my numbers are going down. Here's what I expect the commission to be, and this is what it is. There's no extra, wait a minute, there's extra job costs. What's going on with this? So I met with the owner and said, hey, can I audit some of my files? There's, like, some numbers off. Discrepancies, yeah. 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 And I, he said, how many do you want? I said, I don't know, 14, 15. He said, okay. So he gave me the files. I took them back. I audited them, and I realized what it was. It was the price of that OSB. So at the time, my worksheet had ten dollars a sheet. We would buy it from Lowe's or Home Depot. 
and we add that $10 onto the worksheet, and it all goes into the commissions and the sale and the price and everything like that. Well, when he reconciled each of those jobs, we were being charged $15 a sheet. It's like, hmm, something wrong with this. So I confronted him about it one, uh, I think it was a Thursday. Are you good? So I confronted him about it. I think it was a Thursday morning. Uh, it happened to be the same day that the sales meeting was every week. And I went to his office and said, hey, here's all the files. Here's the first one I found. Here's where a supplier double billed you. So I need a adjusted commission because they double billed you and you put it on there and just paid them. So he got money back from the supplier because of my audit. The other 14 were this anomaly of why is it $15 or why is it $10? And I said, Rick, we're being overcharged for OSB. He said, oh, no, you're not. And I said, what do you mean? Uh, I said, you know, we bill it here at $10 and I'm being charged $15 a sheet. He said, oh, well, that's because that's my holding company. I said, what do you mean it's your holding company? He says, well, I buy the OSB from Lowe's and mm. I buy through my holding company. My holding company sells it to my roofing company. And I thought, okay, great. Well, let's just change the price on here to $15 then and everything works out. He said, oh, no, 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 that's too expensive. You can't sell it to customers for that. But you can rip so off your salespeople for that. So, so old Rick there, who used to be a car salesman, decided that, uh, that he was just going to rip me off and he didn't care. I said, well, okay. Mm. So I went to the sales meeting, told there were like eight guys there. I told all the guys, I showed them the files. I told them exactly what was happening and how Rick, the owner of that roofing company there. It's making this spread day, on OSB. Yeah. Dang. And one of the other guys quit along with me. We both left. And then the other guys kept working for him. It's like, this guy is stealing from you, and you're just going to let him. Okay, good luck with that. So um, one of the guys that had worked there Dang. alongside me earlier uh, had left and gone to another roofing company. He said, hey, I could use a, a good salesman mm. over here. I'm the sales manager now, and you want to come do some work over here. So I did. Uh, so mm. roofing company number one here was uh, ripping off his salespeople. And then as me as a consultant, remember it, I mentioned yep. uh, this is my partner's yep. client. I had, a, at that time, I had a client that was a uh, commercial roofing company as well. So I began to understand the, the inside Inside of, yeah. of commercial roofing and was now directly learning about residential roofing. Um, I, ironically enough, <laughs> the company that uh, my, my partner, uh, the owner of the company, uh, was consulting went bankrupt. Uh, oh, the company that I was coaching went on to have tremendous success and far beyond any of my coaching. I'm not taking credit for it, but uh, they Part did. Of it, they, sure. they sold out. The new buyer uh, took the company even further. They've just done amazing. Mm -hmm. And they're, I think they're literally my strongest competition today commercially mm -hmm. in the Kansas City market, which I love because yeah. I love good competition. For sure. For sure. But it kind of irritates me just a little bit. <laughs> um, but no, no, they're, they're a good company. So, you know, if I lose a bid to them, Respect. Right. Yep. Nothing but respect because I know the yep. customer is going to get taken care that's of. Right. That's what really matters. I, right. I hate losing business to lousy companies, and there's definitely some lousy companies out there because mm. they don't take care of the customer. They don't deliver on their promise. Mm. That was another issue I had at that first roofing company. Is He boasted that he did the best roofs in the city, and when I held him accountable and held the crews accountable, he'd always back the crew up and do crappy work instead of backing me up, mm. and it really impacted my feeling of how I was misrepresenting myself. Sure. Because I knew how the job needed to be done. I would monitor the job. I would correct the crews, but they would just go back to Rick. Hey, Rick. 
and he was worried about losing crews instead of worried dang, about doing good doing work. the right work. Yeah. Dang. So he was hurting his customers. He was stealing mm. from his employees. So I go to this other guy, mm. um, little company out of Parkville, and uh, we uh, started working. And sales were great. Everything was wonderful. And then uh, I realized that uh, I, I'd struck a deal with him that that same worksheet that I started over here at mm. this other company, I brought over there and basically leased it to him. Mm. So I got a small fraction of every, every job that it. was done on yeah. that worksheet. So he was using that <laughs> for, for his operation for a lot of his sales, but not all of them. There was one, one old school guy that would take <laughs> on to it. Um, so after a while, I realized, hey, there's something wrong over here. And he was actually ripping his crews off. So one of the things that, um, that we do in the roofing industry is if the, the job is tall, meaning two stories or higher, there's additional surcharges sure. because it's more difficult, more dangerous work. Sure. The crew needs to be paid that. The people working on the job need to be paid that. For sure. He wasn't paying his crews that. Charging the customer, but not paying the crew. Exactly. Dang. Exactly. Mm. So this guy over here, roofing company A, is ripping off his salespeople mm. and his customers. This guy over here, ripping off his employees and mm. generally not having a, a legitimate care for his customers. Um, Dang. It just caused me to say, hey, look, somebody, somebody's got to do this right. And finally, it welted up in me enough that I said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to do this. So decided we'd start Christian Brothers Roofing. What year is this? January 2009. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So we did. And it was funny. Mandy said uh, she was real nervous about this. And yeah, maybe she'll do the books, but she's really not excited about this because, mm. you know, she's all about security because now I'm sure without four a job. kids. And yeah. 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 Four kids. So one of the things back as a business coach that I would always mm. encourage my clients, I said, Never, never hire family. <laughs> because there's so dysfunctional families out there. You hire a, yeah. a brother-in-law because yeah. he's related and then you can't fire him. Or just so many dysfunctional family situations that you have to hire somebody that you don't want to hire because they're related. Well, luckily, we not only love all of our kids, we really like them. And they seem to really like us. So I literally became a hypocrite with Christian <laughs> Brothers Roofing uh, because I did hire family. Uh, I would teach my clients not to, and mm. then I turned around and I ended up mm. hiring family. I, I started with my son, my oldest son. Uh, I needed some help. I was busy, um, and I knew my best value, best value was in front of the customer. And I did a lot of work when I was driving. Learned that from Footlocker days. That's right. Uh, Mail so sorting. He, uh, he started driving me. So he would... He would help me That's awesome. by, by driving. Uh, he, uh, you know, back up a little bit. Because uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he started started driving, but, uh, but soon he started working for a, mm. a roofing company down in Tulsa because he was still in Tulsa. Uh, that's part of my story I didn't tell you. When we got promoted with Foot Locker, no, sorry. Part of my story I didn't tell you is when we got promoted with Lowe's to come back to Kansas City, yeah. we had two, two younger kids that were in middle school, high school. Um, there's uh, two older kids because we had a seven-year break before we had two and then had seven two, years. Two pairs two. of two. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one was already graduated high school, Jennifer, 
And Ryan was in his senior year of high school. So our vision when we took the job with Lowe's in Kansas City is, okay, we're going to put him in an apartment. Jennifer's kind of going to be in charge because she's the oldest. (laughs) And uh, as soon as he graduates high school, then he's going to move up with us. Now, Jennifer, she may or may not. She had a job working down there, starting her career kind of thing. And uh, so he graduated high school, and he's 18. And I said, okay, let's get you moved up here. And he said, nope. I'm good. Nope. He said, I'm an adult. I do what I want. So he went through some of that, and uh, but after a little while, he started to get his head on straight again. And uh, <laughs> so he came up and helped out, and then he started out. And we uh, awesome. taught him how to sell and, and how, to, how to scope roofs and find leaks and things like that. And now he's so much better than I am at mm. it, so much better than I am. Uh, he's, he's Ryan, and he's in charge of our residential division. Uh, I mean, he knows it inside and out. The absolute best person mm. to have in your home talking about anything related to construction around your home, not just roofing, because he's always guiding customers on other things too. Like, oh, you might want to get that taken care of here. And because he cares. Yeah. He just genuinely cares. Yeah. He just, he just takes care of people. Yeah. Uh, so, awesome. uh, in fact, on some of my most difficult customers, I've even had one where, where I, I had more confidence in him being able to mitigate the situation than me. Because mm. he has more patience than I It's a lot. Uh, says a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's, Truly a blessing is, as all the kids have proven to be here. Yeah, yeah. So Jennifer runs our office. Uh, Ryan runs the residential division. Uh, my middle son, Kevin, runs our commercial division. And then my, uh, my fourth son, Colby, who we sold the van for years and years and years ago, <laughs> um, is in charge of our solar shingle division. That's amazing. So. What, were, what were, as you kind of look back on it, you know, the 09 to pick a date, you know, those first three to five years, um, what did you learn that you didn't anticipate you needed to know? Or, or maybe said another way, what were some struggles or some um, hurdles that as you walked in with, I'm going to do it right, that mentality was just so wonderful, that you had to endure some storms? Or were there? Maybe, maybe it was smooth sailing. Uh, but as you got the, the plane off the ground, so to speak, what were those early years like? Well, the, the funny thing is, is when you, when you look back, when Mandy and I started our lives, I had decided that we should have six kids. Mm. I made a mistake on number three. So Kevin, when he was born, I was in the hospital room. Uh, I knelt down next to Mandy's bed, and uh, she was just recovering from giving birth. And uh, I looked her in the eye, I held her hand, and I said, baby, we are halfway there. <laughs> she loved that, I'm sure. Well... <laughs> Justin, I think the epidural had worn off at that time. And she looked at me with the fieriest eyes and said, you can have the other half. And I quickly realized that I was neither man nor woman enough to Uh do that uh uh, because of what women endure in childbirth. Oh boy! Uh, Thank you, Eve, for that. That's Mm. that's really Mm. your fault. Mm. Back in the days of Mm. Adam and Eve, uh, Mm. that's when God decided that you're going to have pain in childbirth because of our sin. Scott. What's that? (laughs) Yeah, she said, you can have the other half, bro. Yeah. So fortunately... I'm a pretty good salesman, so I, I sold her on the idea that, well, look, there's seven years between Kevin mm-hmm. and, and Ryan, and then nine years between him and Jennifer. It's like, he's going to be like an only child. I mean, we want him to have somebody to grow up with and play with and all of that. So she agreed. She said, okay, we'll have a fourth. So mm-hmm. then she changed her mind. But too late. <laughs> too late. She was already pregnant. So uh, we had Colby, that's and awesome. that's wonderful. And awesome. uh, the reason I mentioned that is it was in 2000, I 
think it was 2017. Yeah, um, we had grown quite a bit as a company, uh, and over the years, we had ended up hiring all of our kids. Jennifer moved up from Tulsa, which we couldn't afford her originally. She was mm-hmm. doing so well down there, we had to had to do better in order to be able to afford to sure. bring her up to pay her totally. what she was worth. Uh, and Ryan had had agreed to move up uh, with his uh, his new betrothed, and he got married to Jordan, which has been wonderful. We hired Jordan, his mm-hmm. wife, and she's just amazing. Um, but over the years, we hired all of our kids because we had a hard time finding enough really good people that cared. That you trusted and cared. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yep. We as a company, I, I tried desperately not to hire anybody with industry experience because they developed so many bad habits. What I do is I look for people that have the right heart. And if they've got the right heart, I can teach them anything else or I can get them taught anything else. There's trainers, there's knowledge. But if their heart's not right, they're, they're never going to be right for our culture, for our company. They could be great for other people. Sure. But sure. For, for who we are, you, you got to have the heart first. And once we have that, the rest is just information, just knowledge. And I'm, I love teaching, so give me an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Our best salespeople and employees are those that, that come and ask questions. They want to know stuff. And I love to sit and talk to them. And I love to eat. So, hey, let's go get something to eat. Let's go talk. <laughs> so we have lunch. We talk. Yeah. Get to know each other and 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 hopefully help them out. How has your perspective on leading the business changed from 09 to 2023? As you guys have grown, has it changed? Has it stayed the same? Oh yeah, um, in, in 09, it was all about me. Hmm. I was the business. I mean, yeah, we were doing it right, but I was the whole business. Today, it doesn't have much to do with me. It has everything to do with all of our employees. And all of our teams out there working and really digging in and appreciating them where they are and for who they are. Um, it took me a little while. I used to think an extrovert was the only person that could be successful in this country. <laughs> That's because I'm an extrovert. Uh, but after really? a while, I learned uh, <laughs> that the introverts bring so much more value than the extroverts. Mm. The extroverts just get all the credit for it. For sure. Oh, it's, it's true. For sure. It really is. Uh, so I, I look to the extroverts um, differently than I look to the introverts because the introverts always, always seem to contribute more when you let them. Yeah, you just right. have to let them speak. That's right. Give them a chance. And when they do speak, it's like mic drop. It's like yeah. pin drop silence because you're like, oh, man. We've got a couple like that on our team. And actually, my wife um, is, a, is an introvert, and, when, and, and she can – she can dial up the energy to, and she loves the social part of life for a moment. And then she's like, let's go home <laughs> and let where it's quiet. Right. And, and, and then it, let me have some time. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. To Recharge it. Right. Yeah. But when you, when you invite an introverted person into their, into the kind of the illumination or the insights of, of whatever the decision is, their perspective is so sharp. It's oh, so yeah. cute. It's so, on point it's so dialed in and it's really i I love it that you said that because we just talked about that in our building last week Um, we've got more than this but jason who leads our creative group and then um don who leads our strategy team when those two in particular speak it's like whoa (laughs) it's like wow there's wisdom there there's not just um lots of words so no doubt and i would i would i would say that for all of you extroverts out there that feel you're phenomenally successful, think about the introvert that's been speaking in your ear to help you get there because yeah. I know you've got one. Yeah. 
whether you admit it yeah. or not, I know you've got one That's out right. there. Yeah, you have to. Uh, I'm curious. The couple final questions here is I think about. Um, so grateful to hear the story because I didn't know any of this. So it's wonderful. The <clears throat> infusion. You're you're very, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and we talked about this kind of bits and pieces throughout the conversation, but I think your, you know, kind of you use the the word um, hypocrite, <laughs> which is interesting. That that change or turn from never hire family to not exclusively but heavy the strategy of hiring family and at all levels of the organization. Um, and you talked about the values and the heart piece. I love that. It, it has to have come with some complications, though, too. Like if you're – we're recording this on the 5th of July. If you guys are all together yesterday, the 4th of July, do you, does work come up? Like, I, and, like, the practical playing out of um, the family hiring practice, how do, do those blur – do those lines always get blurred? Do they never get blurred? Are there boundaries and conversations around them? Like how have you navigated growing an organization and – um, maintaining healthy family dynamics and relationships. How well, about that for a loaded long question? Long question. Uh, I've learned that you really can't separate work and home. There, there's no such thing. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, even 2000s, <clears throat> corporate executives, including myself, would preach it, you know, keep your home at home and your work at work. And, and it's just, it's you not can't. practical. You we're can't. we're, we're, we're an entire, yeah. yeah, we're humans. We're, yeah. we're one whole human being, yeah. whether we're, where yep. we're at in life or in yep. that moment geographically where we're located, mm. Mm. it's all part of our being. You know, we're, we're spiritual, mm. we're physical, mm. we are emotional, mm. uh, wherever we are. And we're going to carry all of those dynamics into every place that we go. That's right. So embrace it. You mentioned that, uh, that we have a lot of employee or a lot of family working for us. I'm going to say they're all family mm. because I tell so many of my employees, and I probably told every one of them, uh, unless they're still brand new, figuring it out, <laughs> um, that I didn't hire you, I adopted you. And yes, I have children that are biological that are here, but you're just as important as them and I'm going to love you just like I love them. Unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going to treat you just like I treat all of my kids. And I will tell you, I, I'm not easy on my kids, any of them, because there's a standard that we have to meet. And God sets the standard. He tells us what we need to do. He tells us in our heart what we have to do. If you're listening, you're going to get along with me. Great. <laughs> We're going to have a great time. You're going to be very successful. You're going to be, the best whatever, whether you're an installer or whether you're a salesperson or whether you're working in our office as a customer service or doing accounting, as long as you're listening to what God is prompting you, then we're going to get along great. But if you're not, we're probably going to have some difficulty. <laughs> uh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, what's been the most rewarding part for you? watching others succeed that I've had a little bit to do mm. with contributing to their success. How wonderful. It's just wonderful. Oh, it's beyond wonderful. It's You're experiencing wonderful. it here, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's just like, 
to see a thing become um, different entirely, not not like not diverted from the purpose or the or the the ethos of the of the brand, but to see people step into their own to grow to, to and and I, I, uh, my last question, which I, leads back to even before we started recording the session here, was define leadership and how how have you seen leadership play out in your organization because i think it, it ties into this conversation so you're asking me two questions right now yeah you want me to define leadership i want you to i want you to um maybe explain your perspective on leadership is leadership the title is it is it earned is it uh god-given okay it's i mean i think the well, way you you framed up leadership even before we started talking is really it's really really important part of understanding you. You know, Abraham did not want to be a leader. God decided that Abraham was going to be a leader. And even when God asked Abraham to be the leader, he pushed back. Moses did the same thing. All of the great leaders in the Bible, all of them, David, David's a great leader, right? David, he was a shepherd's boy. He was tended to the sheep. He was the youngest. He was obscure. he he didn't want to be a leader. But at some point, leadership has to be taken. You remember what David did to Goliath? You remember even why he was out on the battlefield? You know why he was there? He was there for his brothers to go check on his brothers and see how the battle was going. And the Philistine, this giant Philistine, was egging him on, tell him how horrible Israel was, and you're weak, and you're cowardly, and send your best man, and whoever wins, wins the land. And David said, go up, sweet, go up, go up. And nobody said, no, he's big, he's strong. And David said, uh, I'll go up. So he grabbed a couple of stones, he put them in his sling, and what did he do? Let the old boy have it. <laughs> he slung him around. And for God's glory, he went after. He wasn't doing it to beat the Philistines. Sure. He was doing it because God's chosen people were being humiliated, and he hurt for God. And he slung that stone, hit him straight in the forehead. It sunk into his head, killed him on the spot. Little shepherd boy. He never planned to be a leader. But something welled up inside of him. that Somebody had to do it, and somebody had to do it right good it's good and and it's um such you know uh, it's it's a wonderful lesson sorry i'm writing down the note because your quote was money there i appreciate you sharing it oh sure the um taking of responsibility and the taking of we use this language a lot in our business like taking agency not being there's a difference between like yeah, one specific thing you got to tell them, hey, do step seven on the process, right? Can't skip steps. You can't skip step seven when you're installing a roof. But but there's no shortage of opportunity for leaders to step into responsibility. Right where you are. Yeah. And it's and not a title. It's not a, no. it's not given. <laughs> it's taken. I love how you said it. it's taken. I love that. Um, okay. We got to wrap. Um, we end this the show with the same five questions. Oh, remember the story I told you about my me wanting six kids? Yeah. And Mandy never wanting yeah. six kids? You got to four. I got to four. In 2017, she finally said the words. She said, Scott, we should have had more kids. 
because that's been one of the more difficult things to do as a business mm. owner is to find mm. quality people who love and care for your customer as much as you love and care for your customer. And well, she well knew said. and saw that all four of our kids were doing that in spades. They were just doing it that's beautifully. Awesome. And, and a lot of our employees were too. Yeah. We just didn't have yeah. enough. Yeah. And we couldn't recruit people fast enough. Yep. We couldn't find the people yep. and train them and teach them those things. So she finally admitted we should have had So you starting over? Come on. But she's, <laughs> nope, nope. We decided that we'll just, we'll fill them in with grandkids. grandkids We're going to have grandkids right. instead. So we got three of those now and that's right. we'll have a lot more. We that's right. What is the, what is the vision for the future for, for Christian Brothers Roofing? Well, however you want to define that. Or yeah, whatever, pretty broad. whatever time horizon is on your mind in this moment. Well, the time horizon is, um, at this point in my life, at 63, I'm, I'm still pretty physically active and, mm-hmm fairly strong, I think, and mm-hmm. agile and whatnot. Um, but what I've learned is at this point, there's go-go, there's slow-go, and there's no-go. Mm. So the go-go is we're in a position where we could retire, but our company is not ready for that right now um, mm. until more leadership rises mm. in the company. So I'll continue to be that leader as long as they need me to. Um, but there's a point where my go-go years are going to turn into slow-go years. Mm. When I'm not feeling so well, when I'm, I'm not going to you know, feel like walking up the Acropolis in, yep. in Greece or, yep. or wherever. Yep. Uh, and I want to enjoy that. So I'm kind of anxious for that to happen, though my kids will tell you they think I'll never retire. And my wife will probably tell you the same thing. She thinks I'll never retire. They need to retire me. If they want me retired, they got to retire me. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave our customers to chance. I'm not gonna. I made a commitment, and I I'm bound and determined to honor that I commitment. I love that. So, uh, mm. once once that time happens, uh, it's it's probably more the same and a little less of some of the other. Sure, sure. Uh, so I'll I'll try to just take more vacations in the meantime and spend more time with Mandy out. Yeah. Do things that we love to do together and. I think she'll retire this year. She's pretty determined to do that, and we want her to because she has such joy. When you see her with any child, whether mm. it's a 39-year-old adult child or a mm. one-year-old grandchild, the love mm. in her eyes and how she just pours mm. into these human beings, it's just amazing. Mm. And I want her to do that because that's, that's where she does her best work, mm. right there. How do you define no-go? And how do you no make go. decisions about no, around now, no-go? Now you're physically unable to. Mm. Your no-go is you, you can't hardly walk, you can't hardly get around, and you're just living out your days. And uh, that I'm not anxious to. I told, my, <laughs> I told my wife we should go to Ireland about that time. Just push me off the cliff. Just push me <laughs> off the cliff. I don't want to hang around for those. I actually love, I love that. That's a helpful framework even. I think physical pieces aside, I think the – one struggle of a leader, especially one growing a thing, is what to say yes to. And and then by definition, what that implies you're saying no to. And being for me, what's been a struggle is being clear about what I say no to and being convicted about what I say no to. And, and sometimes those are really good things or appealing things or interesting things or... Or could be really good well, Yeah, things. right. Or like have the shiny syndrome of like, oh, that might be awesome. But I love your, the, the go-go of like, yep, all in, let's, let's do it at full tilt. And then the slow go of like, eh, maybe, 
or at a different pace and then this no-go concept of no I'm not doing it like because it's it's not clear it's not it's not aligned with the vision and the mission of what we're doing so that's really helpful um, okay, for real, final five. Woo, I could ask you. I could ask you a million more questions, um, which just means we'll have to do it again. Um, I appreciate your time and your wisdom and your the, the way that you. I'm shared still your shocked story. you even wanted me. <laughs> stop. So. You stop that. Um, you know, uh, your, your ratings and, and leadership will probably or your readership will probably go down after this. You know that, right? <laughs> zero chance. If that's the kind of clown he's interviewing, why don't Z- I want to listen to this? Zero thing? chance. Um, what is uh, a recent or maybe a favorite, like a book you'd recommend or um, book you've listened to recently or, or read? All-time bestseller. It's a Bible. <laughs> I mean, wh- <laughs> that's where it is. I mean, that's where all your wisdom is going to come from. And it, what's amazing about reading the Bible is it speaks to you differently every time you read those same words. That's right. You know, you can read a verse in a chapter last year and you read it again this year and it has a totally different meaning because you're at a totally different point because we've changed yeah 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 because the human changed and evolved yeah Yeah. i love that uh i know you're a shirt with buttons kind of guy um but if if you ever are a straight t-shirt wearer what is your go-to t-shirt all right um i've got one that's got um surfboards on the back oh and uh it's uh it's from saint john Oh, U.S. Virgin Islands. That's where we did our honeymoon. We went uh, to St. Croix, okay. and we actually decided two nights ago that we're going to do our 40th uh, honeymoon, awesome. our anniversary trip to back to St. Croix, because we'd not been back awesome. to St. Croix yet. We'd planned mm. it a few years ago, and then a hurricane came, mm. and we, we had to back out of the deal because mm. it was Couldn't go. It yeah. was generator power, and we didn't want a generator outside of our room, <laughs> you know, in yeah. this nice time. So, yeah, I think uh, St. John is probably one of my, my mm. favorite. You're going to ask me. Mm. One of my favorite places on earth, I think it's St. John Virgin Islands. Mm. I think like 75% of that island is forest it's and national park. And it's just wonderful. It it's feels wonderful. like feels like being home when I'm there. So I, I love mm. it. Mm. That was the next question. So you, you already got that answered. And it's a it's a wonderful one. We haven't been back. We, we honeymooned there in 2003. Um, and have well, not been back. The and beautiful thing is it's, it's unbelievable. You have to intentionally get there. You can't just For fly sure. a plane and show up. For sure. You got to fly a plane and then you got to get on a ferry yep. and take your time to get totally. over to the island. And totally. most people these days. On it's vacation, a slow go place, man. I love it. <laughs> I love that. And I, what we loved about St. John, you said it well, is the, um, the, the diversity of topography, if, that, if, if that's the right way to say it. Um, but you've got the beautiful beaches that are sandy and clear and amazing and you turn around and it's like oh there's a big mountain and a forest and oh, it's yeah. just so gorgeous it is so gorgeous yeah. um definitely a happy place yeah you you know our marketing language well enough to know where this question is going but as it relates to building a brand and and specifically kind of in this like convoluted noisy nonsense world of of advertising and marketing um what does human first mean to you Well, human first suggests putting people first. But I'm going to suggest that people should be second. Mm. Put Christ first. Mm. And then it's so easy to put people second. Mm. And people feel like they're first. It's good. It's a great answer. I love that answer. I also love what you said a a few minutes ago about um, 
you're not leaving your customers to chance. I think that's powerful. And, and I think the responsibility of a mindset like what you just described is that human will, f- will feel like they're first. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll feel the trust of, of a brand and a brand made of humans yeah. to do what they said they were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and and to uh, not leave them to chance, I think, is um, a wonderful way of how you how, how you have lived out that articulated vision. It's so good. All right, last one. Um, when it's all said and done, when it's no when it's no go time, <laughs> uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Wow, that's a big question. Yeah, it's a heavy one. That's a heavy question. We're only an hour and forty minutes in, so uh, I know you got I know you got more in you. I want to be remembered as a man who loved on people the way they wanted to be loved. Mm. Why? Because we all need that. We all need love. We need hope. We need love. We need shelter. We need food. Food and drink. And that's about it. That's what we really need, for sure. And we want a bunch of stuff. Everybody wants stuff. But when it really comes down to needs, yeah. I, think that, I think that about does it. That's good, man. It's a wonderful place to end. Um, express my gratitude to you for sharing uh, your story, number one. And, and, and I think underneath that kind of big uh, thank you is, is the, the vulnerability to share struggle, to share challenge you I mean you talked about divorce and death and financial hardship and th- th- those things don't show up you know on a linkedin post often <laughs> um not but, online for sure but but i think the uh the invitation to to share is is the loving thing it is the loving way to offer um some some signposts along your journey that people can connect to and relate to um and so, and man, even for me, just thinking, I didn't know you were uh, the Sugar Ray Leonard salesman or the <laughs> or the Jordan One discrimination guy. Oh yeah, oh dude. Um, so Scott, thanks so much. We we've uh, enjoyed working with you and your team and your the, your direct family and your Christian brothers family all in one. Um, and wish wish you the best. And we're we're super grateful you share these couple hours with us, man. Thanks, Justin. You made it uh, made it easy, but I think, like you said, we. Uh, we went a little overtime, didn't we? It's okay. The All beauty right. of this thing is there's no there's no formula. <laughs> okay. There's just conversation. So um, until next time, thanks for listening in. And uh, you can f- oh, where can folks follow along on your story or the business? Christian Brothers Roofing LLC dot com or four five three roof dot com. It both gets you to the same website if that's where you want to find out. Or just give us a call and ask us. We're I happy to it. chat. I love it. I love it. Scott, thanks, my friend. We really appreciate it. All right.